0: Tell you what, let's get right into the message. Find your Bible, if you would, tonight, and we're going to be finishing up James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And uh, before you get, put your finger in James chapter 4, turn your Bible back to Isaiah chapter 14, and we're going to begin in Isaiah 14, and I'm going to read you a few verses here to you. Uh, kind of give us a foundation and a background of what I'm going to be preaching about tonight. So we are going to be in James chapter 4, and i tell you what, let me go ahead and read those last few verses that we're going to be in tonight. So James chapter 4, and if you'd notice here in verse 13. Notice what the Bible says: "Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and can I'm sorry, and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish the away." For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Father, would you bless your word tonight? Would you give me the ability, the, the authority, and the power to preach tonight? And God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would do His great work in the hearts of your people. And all of those that are tuning in tonight, would you have your will in your way in Jesus name. Amen. Now if you remember from last week we looked at James chapter 4 and I have used I have used 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 as 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 an outline of James chapter 4. And if you remember the Bible says in 1 John 2:16 for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world. And we looked at verses 1 through 10 of James 4, and we saw uh, the correlation there of the lust of the flesh. And we looked last week at verses 11 through 12 on on uh, on, on um, speaking evil of one another, of the lust of the eyes. To speak evil of somebody, to speak evil of their deeds, you have to be having your eye upon them, watching what they're doing on a day-to-day basis and critiquing them. And, and the point is that we saw last week, is we uh, we 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 don't speak evil one of another. We try we edify one another. But when something uh, Jesus did say to judge righteous judgment, and uh, if we are operating in love, it's one thing to go to a brother and a sister and say, you know, I, I'm concerned about this in your life, and the Bible says this, and. You know, how can I pray with you about this and help you in that? That's one thing. It's a far another thing. It's the lust of the eyes. It's worldliness. It's its its how the world operates when we just cut and devour and speak evil one of another. And we looked at that last week. Well, tonight, tonight I want to look at verses 13 and 17. And yes, if you still have First John 2.16 in your mind, you know what's coming next. The pride of life. The pride—it's just life's pride—and I think that Isaiah 14 is a great illustration of pride. What a great—it's what a, it's a great picture of pride, and it deals with Satan himself. And look at verse 12. Are you there, Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? which did weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Wow. What a proclamation, huh? He said, I'm going to ascend into heaven. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above God. He goes on through, through all of these five I wills that he establishes and that he sets out that he is going to do. Five times Satan says, I will. I will. What is he saying When he's talking about, I will ascend into heaven. I'm going to overrule God's domain. I will overrule God's creation. I will overrule God's people. I will overrule God's presence. You can see they're ascending to the heights of the clouds. And pretty much this last one, Satan believed in his heart he was going to be God or a God. He said, I'll be like, he knew he wasn't going to be God. He said, I'll be like the Most High. Now, remember what the Bible says here. He said It says here that Satan said this in his heart. In his heart. Yeah, of course he did. Of course he said it in his heart, because he's never accomplished this, and he never will accomplish this. Oh, no, he has a little bit of a kingdom. He has a little bit that God has given him, but it will come to an end. And he has never ascended into God's domain. He has never ascended above God's creation. He is one of God's creations. Yeah he is a create and think about this the created believes he is more important or can come up to about the same level as the creator that's a ridiculous thought i shall be like the most high yeah but wait a minute we are the creation of god as well aren't we as human beings and we are fallen as well aren't we yes we are and this is what what we see here in Isaiah fourteen is what pride looks like in the life of every man and every woman and every child that is on the face of the earth who sees themselves in charge of their life. Pride. No, no, we're we're we we are operating and we're speaking in our heart. We're living out our heart exactly the same way that Satan has. Webster's eighteen twenty eight dictionary. No Webster defines pride this way, inordinate self-esteem, in unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, in beauty, in wealth, in accomplishments, in rank or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others, pride. Now, if you'll go ahead and turn your attention to James chapter 4. I'm going to attempt to show you tonight here in these last few verses the pride of life and how it manifests itself in the life of a believer. The pride of life manifested in the life of the believer. And the first thing we notice from our text is, and how this can be manifest in our life is, number one, the pride in our planning. Pride in our planning. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, there is nothing wrong with planning ahead. <clears throat> Actually, it's very biblical, and I can show you from the Bible how it's okay to plan ahead. It's right to plan ahead in some ways. We can see in Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors they are established. What are you doing when you meet with counselors? You're planning ahead. You you're looking for wisdom before you make a decision. That's planning. That's planning. Listen to Proverbs 11, 14. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Once again, counselors are a part of a planning process. And in, in Proverbs 16 and verse 9, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart, so what does he do? What do we do? We plan all the time. God didn't, he didn't uh, rebuke the planning. He was just telling us in verse 9 of Proverbs 16 that God has the ultimate goal and the ultimate decision in our planning. You see, God led Joseph to plan for a famine, God led David to plan and prepare for the temple. Jesus himself spoke of the wisdom in planning in Luke 14. You can see it in verses 28 through 30. I'm going to read it for you here. Jesus said, Which of you. Intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it. That's planning, right? That's planning. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, and all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Was not the redemption of mankind through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, listen to me, was it not one of the greatest plans to ever have been conducted on the planet earth? The plans of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying right here in Luke 14, we all plan. It's a good thing to plan. Jesus Christ Himself planned. God has had planned the redemption of mankind through that atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the great I just said it, one of the greatest plans to have ever been constructed. God is all for planning. Absolutely. So when does planning turn to pride? (laughs) When does planning turn to pride? When does planning go from being godly to ungodly? Is there an indication that we can see that when this begins to take place in our life? Okay, look at verse 13, would you? Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into a city and continue their year and buy and sell and get gain. Do you notice what's not mentioned in verse 13? The counsel of God, the will of God, the desire of God. Hey, James is writing to a believer in his is his his illustration here is given of a believer actually making plans in their life without God. Don't act like we don't do that. Don't act like we don't do that on a daily basis when we jump out of bed and we never never uh, come before the throne of God in prayer before we take off for a day. Never open our Bible in a day. Hey, we, we do this all the time, going through life without any planning, We're planning our life and going through our life without including God in it. We're all guilty of that at times. When our planning, watch this, planning turns to pride when our planning excludes God. Planning turns to pride when it excludes God. You might say, well, how do you know when your planning excludes God? Well, notice here some some of these bold proclamations that are made here in verse 13. I will go into a city. I will stay for a certain amount of time. I will accomplish my goals. I will. I will. I will. Are the I wills starting to sound familiar? Isaiah 14? Isn't that that exactly what Satan did? These bold proclamations? I'm telling you tonight, these bold proclamations that exclude God are the fruit of pride in our life. You know, if you notice back up in verse 10, I think it's wonderful that the subject of pride is is following and coming directly after the admonition for humility. (laughs) We're told to be humble. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. And then we get down to verse 13. We're talking about the pride of just these bold proclamations of I will. No pride and humility, they never go together, do they? They can't go together. They cannot You know, when your planning excludes God, when you have bold proclamations without Him. Number two, when your bold proclamations are not found in the Word of God, or not found uh, within the will of God. The individual wasn't saying, God told me to go to this city. The individual, the the example we have here of this individual was was not claiming obedience to God. This individual in verse 13 is essentially is claiming ownership of their life. No, I'm not talking about the one who has boldness in in their in their confidence in the will of God in their life and they may say, "Well, God told me to do this and I was I've been praying about this situation. I was reading my Bible this morning and God gave me the answer and and by the grace of God uh, as a family, as an individual, as w- whatever it might be, I am doing this because I know God wants this in my life." That's a different bold proclamation, isn't it? That's a proclamation based upon faith and the will and the in the, the word of God, but that's not what we have here in verse thirteen. What we have here is, is an individual proclaiming ownership of their life that is devoid that is devoid of the presence of God. No, again, there's nothing wrong with planning, and there's nothing wrong with living somewhere else than you live now. There's nothing wrong with making money. Good grief, six days shalt thou work and do thy labor. God said, you know, if you just worked a full six days, you could make some money. Yeah. But it's the attitude driven by pride which is wicked. And this is what you have here in verse 13. When your bold proclamations are not based on obedience to God, they're the embodiment of pride. The pride of life, self-sufficiency, self sufficiency self self protection of self. This is this is what pride is. And remember that we we talked to uh, Two weeks ago, about uh, or last week, about uh, the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that one, the 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 three, uh, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. When Satan told him to cast yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, because uh, you know it's written that his angels will keep charge over thee if thou dash thy foot against a stone. I just mixed it all up, but that's a paraphrase version of that. And uh, and essentially, what Satan was doing was telling Jesus, throw yourself off. And, you, and your life will be protected. But, the, but that is utter pride if Jesus had done that. Because the point of Jesus coming to this planet was not self-protection. It was not self-preservation. The reason Jesus came to this planet was to lay down his life as a sacrifice for the world. And it would have been utter pride if Jesus had done what Satan asked him to do. And Satan knew exactly what he was doing. I'm not talking about those people who are doing things based on the Word of God. I'm talking about those things when people just want to it's all about self. Their decisions in life are about self and they exclude God about my about my about about my self-preservation, my protection. you know there's people that won't go door to door because they're just afraid of what somebody might say to them. That's pride. People won't won't, uh, obey the word of God because they're afraid of danger. That's pride. That's utter wicked pride. We see pride in our planning here in verse 13. We see pride in our proclamations. I will, I will, I will. But notice here we get a reminder then of a reality. I like this. Verse fourteen. Look at it. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time, vanisheth away. You see those the exhaust out of a car on a cold winter morning, or that glorious steam coming off a cup of coffee. Oh. Sometimes I just want to go to bed so I can get up and have coffee. It's just wonderful. <laughs> You ever watch that vapor come off that cup or whatever you drink hot? It's just there and it's gone. There and it's gone. Within the construct of eternity, I'm telling you, this life doesn't show up. It doesn't show up. It's so quick. It's so fast. And the reality is, in verse 14, the reality is we don't have foreknowledge. Here's one of the, look at this. Whereas you you, you know not what shall be on the morrow. You, we don't have foreknowledge. We're not God. I know sometimes we act like we are, but we're not. We do not have foreknowledge. The reality is that is that we don't know how long we're going to live. That's the reality. We make all these great grandiose plans outside of the will of God. We don't know how long we're going to live. The reality is we don't have any control over how long we live anyway, unless I'm, I'm, I'm separating out of that things like suicide and things. But we don't have any control over that. There's a man in uh, Lebanon, Oregon. His name is Bill. I couldn't pronounce his last name. I just read about this today. He's 104 years old and he survived his COVID-19 at 104. (laughs) Pretty good, isn't it? He also survived the Spanish flu of 1918. He was born in 1916. He was a two-year-old boy. So he made it through the Spanish flu of 1918. He made it through the Great Depression. He was in the Army in World War II, made it through the through World War II. And here he is at 104 years old. He got the dreaded COVID-19. And they wheeled him out in a wheelchair and sent him out and sent him home. And uh, wow, pretty impressive. Yeah. But then there's Torrin Howard, a young man in Waterbury, Connecticut, he died with COVID-19, and he was 26. 26. No, here's the reality of it. We have very little control over this life. No, we have a lot of decisions we make. Absolutely. But ultimately, we have very little control. And because of this fact here in verse 14, in verse 15, God gives us a right response. Would you look at this with with me, please? For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If the Lord will. Can I tell you something? As a believer, as a child of God, that should be just such a natural part of our vocabulary. Actually, we, we should probably... Add that to our vocabulary about every subject we ever talk about, and everything we want to do, and every place we think we want to go, if the Lord will, if the Lord will. My wife and I have had this 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 uh, uh, tradition, I guess you might call it. We go to bed, and we say good night, good night, and always say see you in the morning, Lord willing. It's true, Lord willing. How many people die in their sleep and never wake up? It is Lord willing. That should be a normal part of our vocabulary. And what what are we acknowledging though when we say that the when we say this, if the Lord will, what are we acknowledging? Well, first of all, I'm going I'm to point out about three things here that we acknowledge. Number one, we're acknowledging that God's in charge. Is that a good that a good attitude for a subordinate to be in? I don't like that word subordinate. Well, I'm sorry, we are. You go create a universe, and then you then you can. You can argue with God about that, okay? Yeah. We're acknowledging that God is in charge. Number two, we are acknowledging that our plans can be changed, and that's okay. Oh, I know we don't always like that. But if this this auditorium were full with people uh, that were, all of them, say, in in their, uh, from, let's say, even from 40 years old and up or 30 years old and up, if we had an auditorium full of those, And I said, how many people's life turned out like you planned? There wouldn't be one hand go up. I could almost guarantee it. Why? Because God has plans sometimes that we don't have. Sometimes, thank the Lord. uh, Well, every time it was, I thank the Lord when we got saved. But some people came to Christ and they had no idea where their life was going to go. I think of some of those missionaries. I think of a couple specifically that, that I've mentioned many times before. There's a couple of bus kids. Uh, from a from Mount Vernon, and just got saved, got to church. God called them to missions, and would they have ever known? Would they have ever known? They would have a ministry in Africa thirty-five years later, with a hundred and some churches and Bible institutes and thousands of converts. From two people, they had had no clue in their life where God was going to bring them. And they were willing. They were obviously willing for the plans in life to be changed. Yeah. So this is this is what we're saying. When we say well, this is what we should be saying in our heart, when we say Lord willing, what we should be saying is, I have plans, that's fine. I have things I think God wants us to do, that's wonderful. But if God says something else, okay, Amen. I'll do that too. And then we'll do it like Philippians says, without murmurings and disputings, <laughs> hopefully. Here's a third thing that we're acknowledging when we say, if the Lord will, we're acknowledging that, oh, this is huge. We're acknowledging that we have limitations. We have limitations. Yes, we need God. I, I, don't, I don't mind saying that. I, I worked with an individual on a job site once, a great guy. I count him a friend. Uh, I've had opportunity to witness to him. He's not saved, and uh, and he's just he's he's been he's act, he's been like a friend. And he made this statement unbe- un really didn't realize what he was saying, but he said something about Christians uh, being uh, you know he goes it just kind of see he wasn't being mean or ugly. He goes it just kind of seems like they they kind of these pe- certain of these people just kind of need this crutch in their life. And I didn't have the open door to say it. But I was thinking, just like you have said, you have to have some sort of alcohol every night before you go to bed. <laughs> that is that the kind of crutch you're talking about? Yeah, I think I'd rather have a crutch in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ than a crutch in some alcohol, because they're doing the same thing, folks. They can say all day long, "Oh, we don't have a crutch. We don't have. A crutch. I don't have a crutch. I have a person." And his name is Jesus Christ. It's not a crutch. But the acknowledgement is, when we're saying that the Lord will, what we are acknowledging is that we need God. We need God. So let let me break some news to you. Everyone is dependent upon someone or something in this life. And for the child of God, our dependence should be on him and him alone. And the greatest evidence of our dependence on God is seen in our planning and seen in our proclamations, seen in our words, in the way we operate our life and how we talk about it. So, you know, as we wrap up here in chapter four, you notice here in verse 16, but now you rejoice in your boastings. There's obviously a problem going on here with the way they were boasting about the control and the self centeredness of their life. Yeah, oh yeah, I made that happen. You ever heard this? Well, we just we're just gonna make it happen. We just we just need to make it happen. Okay. And you know, a lot of times we can make things happen. Doesn't mean it was God's will. And then at the end of it they may say, Yeah, you oh boy, we may we just made that happen. Yeah, I was able to get it done. Nobody else could get her done, but I got it done. Yeah. It's evil. So God says, that's an evil, that's an evil heart for a child of God to have. Notice verse 17, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. Yeah. here's here's on one line that now you know what good is, in what way it is to do good here, when we're, when we're talking about our planning of life and our and our and our, our, our the the direction of our life. You know the good thing to do is this: if the Lord wills, I'm praying about it, and if the Lord wills, we'd like to do this. And then the then the then the the child of God, depending upon God, says this down the road when God says no, you know, Lord didn't allow that. Didn't allow that. How come? Well, you know, I don't even know why yet, but it's fine. Lord knows He hasn't allowed that. And maybe there's another door He's wanting to open, and that's fine. That a wonderful attitude, isn't that refreshing? Isn't that refreshing? So as we wrap up here in chapter 4, God has showed us, has shown us, not showed us, has shown us what a worldly believer looks like. A worldly believer is governed by the lust of the flesh. I want what I feel. They're governed by the lust of the eyes. I want what I see. And they're governed by the pride of life. I call it the satanic I am. The satanic I am. I, I am like the most high. I am in charge of me. That is wicked. Wicked. So let me ask you a question to wrap up here. As you look over your life and I look over my life, we'd have to, I, I think it'd be a good question to ask all of us and I ask myself this. Who governs you? Who governs your life? And this, this, this falls out in every facet of the Christian life. Yeah, whether does God govern govern your life, or uh, for for church assembly, for coming together as a body, you're like, ah, can't do it now. <laughs> no, some of you are just getting what you wanted the whole time. Ouch. Yeah, now you miss it. <laughs> no, d- does who governs your life when it comes to? Being obedient to the word of God when it comes to, uh, your, your, uh, your, your attendance to church, to getting out the gospel, to how you live your life on a daily basis, how you eat, how you dress, how you look, how how you give, all of these things. Who governs your life? Are you governing you or is, or is God governing you? Let me ask, let me ask us this. How do we react when we don't get what we want? Now we know how a child reacts, right? Kick and stomp and cry. Yeah. Oh no, adults do it too. They do it much more adult-like, <laughs> but inwardly we're no better than the five-year-old. Sometimes, no, I, I've done it. Yeah, and I look back and I thought, oh, I've had to go to the Lord and say, I am so sorry. How childish. And, and you know, it's even wonder, more wonderful you look back at the end and you realize when you didn't get what you thought you wanted and, you, and then you look back and you go, boy, I'm sure glad I didn't get that. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> yeah. How do you react when you don't give what you want? It's going to dictate who governs your life. How do you react when God changes your plans? Remember, I just read that earlier. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, sometimes we plan and sometimes God's God changes our plan. Look what David did when God changed his plan with the temple. He was ready to build the temple. He wanted to get the Ark of the Covenant out of the tabernacle, get into something temporary. It was out of his heart. He just, he loved God. He wanted to do this great thing for God. And Nathan came and said, yeah, sounds great. Do it. And got out the door and God spoke to Nathan. Nathan, turn around, turn around, went back, David, no, can't do it. God said no. You know what David did? Good, I'll get everything ready for the one who will build it. Isn't that a great attitude? Yeah. How do, you, how do you react when God changes your plans? Do you have a humility about your life that yields to the will of God? In, in your daily speech, how do your words reveal that your dependence is on God? Let's let's be careful that we're not a worldly believer that is governed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Let's be dependent upon God. Let's live in humility. Let let's etch down in our vocabulary the the these 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 words here. If the Lord will. If the Lord will. I like that. Who are you governed by tonight? Heavenly Father, thank you for the word. And uh, as always, for a wonderful reminder, as a child of God, that our dependence is completely upon you. I know sometimes we live as if we would acknowledge that we need you for eternal salvation, but after that we'll just get the rest of it. Don't worry about it. But that's not true at all. If you're going to be glorified uh, in our life, if your will is going to be accomplished in our life, we need to submit ourselves to a, to a heart and an attitude of humility, not worldliness but an attitude that is yielded to you and governed by you in every aspect of our life. And I believe everybody at Calvary Baptist Church, I don't have a doubt that I would expect almost everybody at this church would want that for their life. I don't doubt that. Now, would you help us to do that? We Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and we're going to have an invitation tonight. And however, the Lord has spoken to you tonight. You know, if the Holy Spirit of God is putting a finger, his finger on anything in your life, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's some words. You ever done that, said some words that were so full of pride and they just rang in your head until you had to go to the Lord and ask him to forgive you for such prideful, boasting words that came out of your mouth. Maybe it's something like that. Yeah. Would you get that right with God tonight? Would you humble yourself and allow God to govern your life? You want to know why? I'll give you a good reason why. Because if we, don't, if we stay on the throne in our life, God can't bless us. And God can't use us. And God can't be glorified in us. And I'm telling you, that is the joy in the life of a believer. When God is blessing us and God is using us, God is glorified through us. I'm telling you, that's when life is good. And it can't be that way if we're living a life full of pride and self-sufficiency. Whoever God has spoken to you tonight, obey Him and deal with that now.